Welcome to Horror Makes Us Happy, the podcast where we ask the question, what is it about horror that makes us happy? Your hosts are Steve Becker and Chris Wetman, and you can find out more about us at horrormakesushappy.com. Today's guest is Marcus Cook, special effects on who did special effects on American Guinea Pig and directed Bloodshock. Um, thank you for joining us, Marcus. Before we get into the meat of the interview, is there anything that you want to plug? Uh, uh, well, we can talk about that at, at the end of the show. Okay. That works. Um, so a, a little more information before we get started for both you and the listeners. Um, uh, tr- starting with a trigger trigger warning, we're going to be talking about horror movies, which could involve anything, murder, rape, suicide, child abuse, F-bombs. Uh, we do not censor ourselves. So if you're not prepared for that, please take care of yourself and then come back when you are ready. Um In this interview, we'll be asking three sets of questions covering your childhood, teenage years, and adulthood to find out what it is about horror that you like. The idea is that if we interview enough people, we might find some common, interesting common themes, but also might find some uncommon ones. Um, It's not meant to be a therapy session, so if there are any questions you don't want to answer, just say, we'll pass on that and we'll move on. Um, But we will be asking the same questions a couple different ways. Mainly because sometimes if you think about things in terms of, you know, the context of childhood versus teenage years versus adulthood, um, thinking about them in the different contexts sometimes reminds you of memories that you had forgotten about. And so we're ah. trying to get to all that. The safe word um, is stab it. Stab what? Stab it. Like S-T-A-H-P-I-T. Oh, stab it. Stab it. it. Um, so starting with childhood, what are some of your earliest memories of scary things? Um, Oh, that's a good one. Um, it always is <laughs> the, the, the first movie. And I don't remember this, but my parents took me to the drive in to see uh, hell night, um, with Linda Blair. And, you know, while I don't remember this, there's, there's a particular scene where like, you know, it, it's a, the traditional jump scare, but apparently you know, I, I crawled out of my skin. Like, you know, <laughs> so they've, they've kind of exposed me to horror movies very early on. And, yeah. um, you know, from that point, we'd always go to the drive-in where we'd go to like, uh, the movie theater or rent VHS. And it was always horror. So it was like my parents who really got me into horror and I was watching it at a very early age and like, so I had an understanding that like, okay, none of this is real, mm. you know? And, uh, yeah. So movies like standout moments that like, I remember scaring the hell out of me was, uh, the, the clown and poltergeist under the bed. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's horror. I've, I've just grown up with it. So it's kind of always been there. And I kind of got into effects, because I would always ask my dad, like, how they did something. Like, someone would get decapitated. I'm like, how'd they do that? And his answer was like, oh, special effects. And so, yeah. like, probably around eight or so, I was like, I need to know more about the special effects stuff. Because I, I just right. want to do that. Like, you can do that as a job. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, other than Hell Knight or Poltergeist, any others that really jump out as something you remember from your childhood? Um, well, I always gravitated towards like uh, films like The Burning, The Prowler, The Friday the 13th, even though like I'm not much of a slasher fan nowadays. Um, I think I just like them more just because I wanted to see like the special effects, the blood and the guts. Like I wanted to see and try and figure out how that was done. So early on was a lot of like, you know, the classic slasher films. Yeah. Yeah. Classic okay. uh, big heads getting decapitated, limbs getting chopped off. Props on the burning for that uh, that reference, by the way. That's like when I saw that, it was amazed by how many celebrities were in that early on. You got oh yeah, George like Mr. a very era, young Jason Jason Alexander. Alexander, like yeah. some, uh, uh, who was the guy from Short Circuit? He was in there very very young. Fisher Stevens, yeah, also Fisher the villain Stevens, from Hackers. Yeah. Like, there's a shit ton of unexpected cameos in that movie. A lot of people get their start in horror. <laughs> Horror's not yeah, so yeah. bad. It's an easy industry to get started in. So. I'm guessing, you know, you mentioned that even very early on, you knew that the stuff wasn't real and uh, you were interested in the special effects. Do you remember anything that actually scared you? Oh, oh yeah. Magic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like magicians? Like, like you know, what's up my oh, sleeve? The, uh, the movie with uh, Anthony Hopkins and the uh, ventriloquist and... ball. Hmm. 
Okay. Like, and I, you know, I, uh, there's, there was a time, you know, when I was probably like seven or eight years old that like, I was terrified of ventriloquist dolls. Hmm. Yeah. Another movie, w- which isn't a horror film, but like, you know, uh, has a ventriloquist doll moving around on its own. It was called zapped with Scott Bayo and Willie Ames. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Scott Bayo. <laughs> I think I remember that one. Yeah. There's a scene where he like possesses like a, or, or like, you know, makes a uh, ventriloquist doll fly around and like scare someone. And I was like terrified of that. Yeah, I have never heard of magic, but I'm checking it out on IMDb right now. And that that is a terrifying ventriloquist doll. That's just that's the cre- Oh, my God. That is the creepiest it's a fucking great thing. psychological film. <laughs> yeah, highly recommend it. It's, it's a good watch. I'm, I'm excited on that. Jesus. We'll touch on both aspects then, both the the enjoyment and and the fear. Let's start with the fear of the uh, the ventriloquist dolls. What was it that scared you about them? Is it just the uh, the soulless, unblinking stare? Ah, I don't know. Just uh, their mouths. Like uh, yeah, and I guess when I was a kid, like I'd have nightmares that like rooms would be filled with like ventriloquist dolls and they'd all open their mouths and start screaming. <laughs> was it like because of the uncanny Valley thing or? Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe. Yeah. yeah. That, I never thought about it like that. You know, you're probably too young to understand uncanny Valley at the time, but it's, that's totally what that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> so, and then the things that you enjoyed in terms of the special effects, what was it that you enjoyed about the special effects? Just figuring out. Yeah. Just figuring out how they were done. Like I, you know, obviously knew that they weren't really getting hurt, you know, so that, that didn't bother me, the violence that I was seeing, because I was just trying to figure out like, okay, well, if, you know, how, how could that effect be achieved? You know, is this, you know, a dummy or is this a makeup? You know, I just try and wrap my head around like, you know, how the trick was pulled off. Like, you know, what, what about it made me believe it? Okay. You know, one of the questions that we have here is about the social aspect and whether or not, and for example, in my case, my father, he kind of teased me. My father took me to see uh, Pol- not Poltergeist. Yeah, Poltergeist. Um, also a drive-in, wasn't it? No, it wasn't, that wasn't at a drive-in. But for a second there, I was getting mixed up between Poltergeist and Exorcist. But yeah, he took me to Poltergeist, but he kind of got enjoyment out of me being scared or creeped out by it. Um, but it sounds like in your case, your parents were more, I don't want to say empathetic, but you know, more supportive maybe like they enjoyed it with you. Yeah. Yeah. And they definitely still, you know, watch horror movies. Like anytime I'm home for like Christmas or whatever, like, you know, like, you know, it's Christmas time and we'll pop on something like, yeah, we watched Hell Night uh, this past year, you know, just for old time's sake. Or, like, you know, we watched stuff like Night of the Comet. Uh, <laughs> I'm just laughing, thinking to myself that that's an interesting family, popping on Hell Night for old time's sake. Yeah, right? Uh, <laughs> it's nostalgic, you know? <laughs> Did you have anybody other than your parents who were uh, fans that uh, participated in, in that with you as a kid? Uh, I mean, my sister, <laughs> you know. Okay. Like we'd watch ghoulies over and over, you know, just nice. to, and we found it like funny as hell, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Not really grown, not until about high school that I start meeting other people who are into like movies, you know, everyone else mm-hmm. sort of did the normal kid thing. And I was just always into horror movies. <laughs> um, so in your case, uh, and we have a number of questions that we have, sort of written down because you never know what's gonna which questions are gonna apply to whom so in your case it, this at your age didn't introduce any fears that you didn't have that you had uh didn't uh, trigger existing ones didn't make you change your behavior in any particular way mm-hmm. it was it was all fine for you yeah hmm. all right how about halloween when you were a kid any participation oh yeah well it's uh, halloween time <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, any favorite costumes? I did a lot of uh, zombies, you know, just messing around with makeup, uh, yeah. just to see like what I could put on. You know, I like. And before I really got heavy, heavy into like you know latex and you know those things, I would make makeup out of um, like flour and water, just like pretty much make dough and put it on mm-hmm. my face because I could kind of sculpt it and kind of get it to like smooth out, and then you mm-hmm. can paint it and. <laughs> 
you know, so like I was very experimental with like, you know, food things that we had in the kitchen around Halloween. And it's cheap. <laughs> and it's cheap, yeah. Yeah. Um, any least favorite costumes? Hmm. Uh, there's pictures. I, I'm too, you know, I was too young to remember it, but there's photos that uh, my grandparents made me and my sister clown outfits, but they were like uh. <laughs> really, really kind of creepy. Uh-huh. <laughs> was it the kind that had the uh, the poof balls on them? Y- yeah, and the like, there was like a pointy hat and like mm-hmm. poof balls. Yeah, it was, it was a really not, not like a normal kind of clown, like more of like a. Polyachi clown, like, a, like an old school type clown. They're really creepy pictures. <laughs> yeah, I I can relate to that. That was my least favorite costume as well. <laughs> <laughs> Only Steve got the full Christmas story treatment, like coming around the the stairs and you know, like, oh, you look so cute. And he's just, I fucking hate this. <laughs> yeah. Was there ever a time when you were actually terrified of something as a child? Yeah, I think, that, yeah, the biggest one that I can think of would be like that, yeah, the clown doll, you know, from Poltergeist, uh, the, you know, the ventriloquist dummy from Magic. Outside of that, I don't remember being too scared of anything. Um, hmm. Yeah, it's a, okay. a weird, weird one. Like, not much scares me. Like, I, you know, as an adult, like, I have trouble watching movies because I'm constantly, I'm still in this brain mode where I'm trying to like break things down, like how they did something or, you know, mm-hmm. trying to figure out an effect where I forget to pay attention to the movie mm-hmm. <laughs> where, you know, yeah. like you don't, you forget to see it as entertainment. Yeah. 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 And so I don't get scared of stuff, but I, I do kind of wish I'd find a film that would like scare me the way those films did when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the last guest we talked to. We kind of came across, uh, or I, I maybe came up with the uh, idea that as you go further and further into uh, exploring more horror movies, you, you never really get that scare anymore. You just get more and more uncomfortably disturbed by the amount of gore and, and violence. There's no scare. It's just, yeah, this is more fucked up than the last one. Yeah. So in your case, horror definitely was a happy thing as a kid. Mm-hmm. Did you have any... Um any scary dreams as a kid, any reoccurring nightmares? Uh, just, just the ventriloquist one with like, and it was on multiple occasions that all these ventriloquist dolls would start screaming. I, I don't know if you were ever a kid. Um, I mean, no, never. <laughs> but like, you know, when, when you were a kid, if you ever had like a playground that had like a concrete tube or something, and there was like several kids in it all screaming at once. Yes. Weird pitch shift like i've never heard the sound since i was a kid you know because i guess as adults we don't scream shrill mm. with a bunch of us screaming on purpose but like whatever sound that would make in this like one like concrete tube we had you know that was big enough for kids to sit in like and we just all scream and the echo was like this horrible sound that would like fluctuate that's yeah. that's what in my dream like the mannequins would all start screaming like (laughs) yeah i've lived i've moved around a lot when i was a kid i've lived in milwaukee chicago florida philly but most of my childhood was in milwaukee chicago or or florida and in chicago we had a, a playground that had one of those pipes that you're talking about but it wasn't big enough for you to really you you could crawl into it but you couldn't sit in it um, but then when I came here to Florida, they were putting in um, sewer pipes and, and, and drainage uh, pipes instead of when I first moved down here, they only had drainage ditches. They didn't have actual uh, drain, drain water pipes. And so they were putting those in and those things were freaking huge. They were like, you know, six feet in diameter. So mm-hmm. you could walk through one of those. And that was, uh, there's plenty of time playing in those things. Um, all right. So jumping over to the teenage years, then what were some of your scary stories or books or movies that impacted you during your teenage years? By, yeah, by this time when I was, you know, by the time I was uh, 14, I had already made, I'd, I'd been shooting short films, I think since I was like eight, nine, 10, like I, I started yeah. stealing my dad's video camera when uh, he was at work. Cause I knew where he hid it. And I would pull it out and I would like make like little stop motion animations or little 
not, not so much as short films, but like experiments. Like I would try my own effects work and film it to see how it would look on camera. And then like I would hide the tape in my room and put the camera back right before I came home from work. And uh, <clears throat> and he wondered why he was running out of blank tapes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. But one time um, I, uh, I left the tape in there. <clears throat> and, um, he, he found like, you know, my short little things I was working on. I thought for sure, like, oh, I am in trouble. And, uh, you know, he was all like, oh, hey, you've been using this and like, you know, taking care of this for like, you know, a year or so and not messed up the camera. So he trusted me with it. And uh, pretty much gave me the camera like carte blanche and I could do whatever I want. And then from there, I started getting a little more experimental and trying to like, you know, shoot with friends as actors and build little stories around like whatever effect I was going to try and do um, or, you know, what have you. So uh, by the time I was 13, I made a 30 minute movie called White Massacre. And then uh, when I was, yeah. Between 13 and 14, um, in ninth grade, I made uh, a 60-minute movie called Lunch Meat. And then after that, I thought, like, okay, I'm, I think I'm ready to move into features. And so um, uh, at the end of ninth grade, I started a movie called Bad Blood, which was going to be a full feature, you know, with, like, multiple locations and multiple actors and, you know, <sighs> That's all I did in my teenage years was work on trying to make my first feature. It took me like four or five years to complete it. <laughs> Still. Yeah. But it got done. Uh, I And I sat on it forever. I didn't want to show it to anyone. I was like, ah, oh, it's really terrible. But yeah, this what past year I decided, fuck it, I'll just release it and, you know. <laughs> uh, so other than, but other than your own uh, works. Anything else jump out to you as memorable during that time period? Yeah, it's an interesting um, situation. Like you were actively directing and producing at that time. Were there any influences that directly influenced your work at the time? Oh yeah, definitely uh, early Peter Jackson. Um, ah yeah. Uh, bad taste. Bad taste. I read about in Gore Zone or Fangoria, and we had a video store um, like walking distance from my house, and I. You know, I, I could rent whatever I wanted. You know, my parents like, yeah, it's rated R, whatever. He's fine. Nice. <laughs> um, and uh, but like the video store guy, I, I, you know, if I wanted a movie, he would seek it out and get it. And so I, I read about yep. this movie, Bad Taste. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you have to get this. And he got it. And like that really influenced me. Like some of those opening shots were, you know, uh, the one alien zombie guy in the blue shirt gets like his head top of his head blown off like that that like floored me i was like oh my god this is all gore to a whole new level that i had never never really seen before not like that you know so anything else peter jackson bad taste uh peter jackson uh frank henenlotter like i really love frank and hooker like <laughs> and it's weird like the older i got the more i really got into like more like kind of comedy sort of stuff. Like I, I just like things with a, a sense of humor to it, you know, like Frank and hooker, I think is like the ultimate comedy. <laughs> it's like it perfect. Through and through, you know, I remember the name, but I, I don't think I ever saw that one. Oh, it's awesome. Highly recommend it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Trying to think what other really comedy horrors would have been in that time frame Cause I think, uh, uh, there was one called Transylvania twist. Yeah, it's fun and campy, but um, Transylvania six five thousand mm-hmm. uh, was out around there. Ed Bigley Jr. and Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, not there. Yeah, there kind of wasn't too many, but like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like Ghostbusters because that was a fun one. Mm. You know, of course, bigger budget, <laughs> mm, definitely. But the yeah. sense of humor is all like every all the all the humor lands. Yeah, that was one of the things that was nice about Ghostbusters, even though the. Uh... It's definitely a fantastical element to the story, but um, mm-hmm. it's amazing that they actually pulled it off. I mean, mm-hmm. you would think that which part? If, if all of it, I mean, like if you just read it on paper and you didn't know that this was going to be like a big budget thing, you'd go, "Okay, that sounds funny, but like it's going to look stupid." <laughs> mm-hmm. But they they actually pulled it off. And then the city is attacked by a giant man made of marshmallows. 
<laughs> and there's, there's a god on a rooftop, and she's got these demon dogs and giant lights coming down from the sky. And it's so we have a seventy-five. We 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 have a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar budget. Yeah, we can make this happen. Was it okay. really no, nah, no, it's probably more than that. I, I don't know. I was ballparking it. I think even back then, micro-budget films were like one point five million. Yeah. So again, at this, even at this point in your life, um, because you were already starting to work on your own, um, there wasn't really any fear uh, associated with it. It was just more the excitement of producing your own work, uh, and and you had mentioned that you're picking apart the films uh, from a production standpoint. Was there anything at that point in your life that actually scared you? No. Um, there, there is one weird thing that I still kind of have like, you know, a phobia over. And this is like really irony at its finest. Like, uh, you know, as, as much as I do a lot of like, you know, over the top blood, guts and gore, like the one thing that really does like kind of give me the heebie jeebies is like real blood. Mm-hmm. Like I can, you know, look at crime scene photos and see it. But if someone is like, just has a paper cut and they're near me, like I'm afraid it's going to get on me. Yeah, that's, that's a healthy and rational fear, especially, you know, this day and age, their blood uh, has stuff in it that is bad sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Are you a germaphobe in general or? Ah, uh, no, no. I'm, I mean, I'll drop a cookie on the floor and eat it. Well, I mean, not, not in all cases. Sometimes I'll be like, yeah. That's what <laughs> gotten, but, yeah, so, yeah. Some places are beyond the 10 second rule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if we're, it sounds like we might be around the same age. I mean, AIDS in the eighties was a scary thing. So yeah, I can, I can see that being uh relevant for that time period. Um, I mean, we didn't know what we know about it today. Back then there was a lot of crap going around. Yeah. Misinformation. Yeah. Yeah. And who knows, maybe that's where it stems from. Like, you know, I don't know. It's just something that I'm like, uh, get, get it away from me, you know? Mm. So you mentioned at this point in your life, you, uh, you did start meeting some people who, uh, also enjoyed horror. Yeah. In, in high school, there, there was a, a kid in an art class I was taking that he was really into like, you know, subversive cinema and kind of introduced me to like a whole other world of, you know, films I hadn't yet seen yet. And I was like, some early John Woo film, like a better tomorrow and, uh, shit. Some of the movies are slipping my mind, but a lot of like, uh, you know, I guess at the time I didn't know that that's what they're called, but we, we call them like at three films now, uh, stuff like untold story and, um, uh, God red to kill a lot of like Asian kind of rough films okay. meant behind the sun. Uh, what do you, what do you mean by at three? Uh, category three, like it, it was more or less, uh, China's rating system, like how we have, you know, PG, PG 13 and R like, you know, I guess the category three would be like, you know, the equivalent to rated R films or NC 17 films. Okay. Again, probably didn't introduce any, uh, new fears or trigger any existing ones. Um, didn't cause you to change your behavior in any weird ways. No. <laughs> Uh, in terms of whether or not you were scared, you said no, cause you were tearing them apart, uh, for the technical aspects. Did you par- participate in Halloween as a team? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I really got big into haunted houses. And so like, yeah, around the same, same time, like, you know, 14, maybe even prior to that, I had started building like, you know, around Halloween time. Uh, like a haunted house in our front yard, like you know, like mm-hmm. you walk up to the door for trick or treaters and just kind of theme it out, and it just kept getting bigger and bigger. Like where I started adding walls, and you know, for yep. the whole month of October, like you know, you'd have to walk through a whole maze to get to the front door, and then yeah, started working in like a haunted house at uh, our local mall. I happened to be at the right place at the right time and overheard some guys talking, and I'm like, oh, I got to get in on this because like they're mm-hmm. gonna do a haunt. And so I got in and got in on the ground floor of their first year and, you know, stayed with them for like eight years, you know, through high school, uh, just doing haunts every year at the uh, local mall. Nice. That is awesome. Any favorite costumes as a teen? Still zombies? Yeah, uh, <laughs> hmm. yeah I kind of got to the point where I like almost didn't dress up 
myself anymore as I was, you know, doing makeup for other people. Mm -hmm. And I think by the time it came to Halloween, I was like, you know, tired. (laughs) (laughs) One of those you're immersed in it so often that you're just like, ah, I'm I'm good. Thank you. (laughs) Been doing it for a whole month already. You know, in in the last two sections here, I've been approaching this more about potential bad memories. Let me turn it around a little bit and ask, uh, what was it about these things that you enjoyed then? Um, like I know you mentioned enjoying things from the technical aspect. What was it about the technical achievement that you enjoyed? Um, pulling it off and seeing other people's reactions. I was like, okay, you know, (laughs) if I could pull off like a good effect, you know, and people would, you know, either be grossed out by it. Like I kind of got a kick out of that. Um, you know, or ask like, Oh, how'd you do that? That was like the ultimate compliment is like, Oh, they couldn't quite figure it out. Like, you know, and maybe people were just blowing smoke up my ass. Like, Oh, that's great. (laughs) You're bad. (laughs) When you see bad blood, you'll, you'll see. (laughs) Well, everybody's got to start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a couple of things that I was like pretty proud of. Like, you know, a gag would work like, uh, yeah, I, I did like an edit, you know, because I'd be paying attention to films like, you know, Dead Alive and kind of watch how some of these gore gags would work with editing. And so, like, I tried to emulate that and, you know, do like a flash cut edit, uh, like someone's, mm-hmm. you know, getting their head pulled apart. And I was like, OK, well, I think I could do that and throw an edit in there in a clever way, you know, mm-hmm. so it switches to a fake head. Yeah, yeah, there were a couple the of those in like, uh, oh, what was that movie? Um, Schwarzenegger, uh, Mars, Total Recall. Yeah, I mean, this is going much quicker than usual because most of the people that we've interviewed, uh, there's a lot of stuff to dig into. But for you, it actually seems very simple. That you know, you started a <laughs> or very good early, or yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I mean, it's similar to uh, Sam's question, too. I mean, and I'm he was still the up. same now. I mean, like, I, you know, like, I I don't think I've changed too much. Like, I still pick apart movies, like, you know, more as, like, a learning thing. And I love watching bad movies as much as I love watching good movies, because I think you can learn a lot more from watching bad movies. Like, you know, learn others' mistakes and what why oh, yeah. they didn't succeed. Right. I've been doing a lot of that lately, actually. And uh, what, I, what I find a most common one is a uh, boom mic placement. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, there, it's, it's like halfway across the frame. How did you? All right, never mind. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bad movies are definitely a good source of entertainment and, and education. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what is it? Uh, um, Dolomite? Yeah. Uh, the Rudy Ray Moore flick man you can make a drinking game out of how many like mics break film or break frame <laughs> <laughs> and get quite hammered by the end so now i guess what about as an adult uh what are some of the things that you know sc- scary stories books movies that you've come across as an adult that have impacted you or you think are memorable oh yeah well definitely more so now like i there's there's certain films that i kind of consider horror um, but they're not really horror. Um, but I think they hit way harder than any kind of horror film could. Um, and, and those are the films I like. They're just like bleak dramas. Uh, those are the films because like, those are the ones I can like lose myself in and then be affected by them. Like, uh, come and see it's like a world war two film about like, you know, the Nazis and Russians. Uh, seek that one out if you can. Um, really, really bleak. <laughs> mm. um, no happy ending. Yeah, there. I don't know. Like to to me, like regular horror, like supernatural horror, um, unfortunately, has become so paint by numbers where I've completely lost interest in it. Like you know, I, I I don't think I can sit down and watch another like you know Insidious film or Annabelle <laughs> or anything from like the James Wan canon anymore because they're all identical. Mm. And for me, that that's just kind of, it's, it's boring. Like I've seen this before, like I need something new, you know? So yeah, there's, there's a whole kind of genre or subgenre of like these bleak dramas 
which like to me are like they they hit way more harder than any kind of horror film ever did. So you mentioned Come and See. Any others? Uh, Come and See, The Czechist. Both of those are like World War II films, you know, that make like Saving Private Ryan and Schindler's List look like Disney films. <laughs> what was that one? The Czechist? The Czechist, yeah. Like CZ Czechist? Uh, C-H-E-K-I-S-T, Czechist. Czechist, okay. Hmm. Yeah, it's very hard to find, though. <laughs> what else? Uh, like, In a Glass Cage. Like, a Serbian film, I think, kind of falls into that kind of category of a drama, where it's more of a drama. That's a really fucked up drama. Um, because, it, yeah, it makes you kind of, like, really off-putting and awful things happen. And I, I think a lot of people hear stuff about, like, you know, something like a Serbian film and refuse to watch it not really understanding that that's not what the film's about. Have you, have you uh, seen Serbian film, Steve? I know Chris has, uh, and he's mentioned it and we've heard it's come up in a couple of our interviews already. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a hard, hard film. <laughs> yeah. But um, he's got a point. If you do get around those uh, qualities, then uh, there, there is a rather bleak underlying story of a guy who tries to, you know, get, his life right and then just get sucked back into it because that's his life i guess it's yeah not not happy ending <laughs> but definitely recommend watching that one you know it's it's a well-made film unfortunately because you know some of the uh, territory he like you know gets into i think has really destroyed his career like in over 10 years, he hasn't been able to, you know, get funding to make another film. No one will fund him. The Serbian government, like totally fucked him over, you know, after making that, like he, you know, they're fucking around with like his visa. He's trying to come over to LA to work, but no one's, everyone's afraid to work with him because they think like, Oh, he's this like fucked up monster. And he's, he's not, you know, he's just a filmmaker who was trying to get noticed. You know what's funny? I just thought of about that is like maybe if he had just gone with a different title because that's what created that whole friction with uh, I guess him and and the Serbian government is like you know it's called a Serbian film so it gives everybody that that yeah. opinion or idea of of Serbia and like I, I don't know maybe if he had just gone with a different title then yeah. he wouldn't have had that problem. Well, he might not have had the problem with the government, but I mean he probably still would have had quite a few problems that, that he saw. I mean, about. yeah, there are certain aspects of the film that are still problematic. <laughs> <laughs> More than just the title. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We're sitting here talking about films that don't, don't have happy endings. Um, and ones that aren't necessarily horror. Uh, maybe a couple months ago, uh, I sat Chris down to watch um, cool hand Luke, which is, you know, a, one of the classics. But it's I've never horror. seen it. You know, it's one of those unacceptable moments. Like you, you've never what watching this movie, and yeah. definitely not a happy ending movie. No, uh, not really. Never seen it. Uh, okay, now I'm curious. Put it on your list. Okay, 1950s. Is it about like a rapper? No, no, it's a. Uh, oh, okay. So it's Paul, uh, Paul Newman, and he's on a chain gang because he's been arrested multiple times, and uh, he plays this character. Luke, who who just uh, can't be tamed, and he keeps trying to escape jail, and things keep getting worse for him. And the end, there's ah, okay. yeah, he keeps trying, and uh, it does not work out for him. <laughs> uh, there's some, there's there's a lot of good parts of the movie, though. Um, yeah, there's a hot blonde. There's the there is that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's an old film. It's a black and white. Um, I want to say. I want to say it was done in the fifties, maybe early fifties. Uh, sorry, yeah. not not fifties, oh, early sixties. Wow. Early sixties. Um, there's a couple people in there that you'll recognize because they either went on to do big things or were already doing some fairly big things. I mean, at the time, Paul Newman was already—I don't know if he was already a leading man, but he was an up-and-comer. If not, um, he was well known. Yeah, so and it's got that uh, that quote from that famous. Uh, what we have here is a yeah, failure to communicate. Aha, uh-huh, okay. That's that's the that's movie what... that that comes from. So I guess at this point, you and you mentioned to you these are these movies are somewhat even heavier to you than a horror film. So how can I say this? You know, the the human aspect because 
other than maybe, well, even a Serbian film, I was going to say some of these, it's, you know, the human element, but mm-hmm. you know, the thing with the Serbian film is there are people like that. So, yeah. Um, you know, films like Gaspar Noe's films, um, I think are, you know, like, uh, irreversible, like it's not a horror film, but it's a really fucked up film. I still haven't watched that. I've been meaning to get around to that one. The whole thing shot in reverse, right? Yeah. So what do you like about these? Other than the fact that they're not gore. (laughs) Uh, They're probably like the only ones that like, uh, like when I'm watching it, like I am affected by it. Mm-hmm. like horror doesn't affect me like that anymore like i could watch like the goriest thing and outside of like you know picking apart the effects like i forget to you know listen to the story and kind of like i guess mentally involved you know kind of fall involved with it mm-hmm. um you know like the saw films like i i think are fun effects but they're not really deep films right not the most complex plot yeah no, that's, I mean, that's perfectly reasonable. Uh, particularly if you find yourself in a position where you are, you can't help but pick apart the effects, then of course, watching a film that doesn't really have effects is, is going to help you get away from that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, having things that are emotionally affecting, I mean, that's mm-hmm. part of the reason that people watch movies is, you know, to have a reaction to it. That it's Yeah. I mean, if, if you were just going to sit there and watch a teacher doing a lecture, like if you didn't want to, to have a reaction, then, you know, just go take a college course, you know? <laughs> right. Those are expensive. They can. Yeah, I guess. I, but, but some people like really, you know, sad movies or mo- movies that make them cry. Like, you know, I mean, I can't, I can't get into like romantic dramedies, you know, or like any of that. Like I have zero interest in it, but like, you know, give me, a movie like, you know, red, white, and blue. That's, you know, kind of, I don't know. Oh, what did I see recently? Like, I I think fucked me up pretty bad. Like watching, I was like, this is a fucked up thing. It's kind of based on a true story. Um, girl next door based on a Jack Ketchum novel. That's fucked up. Like nothing really fucked up happens in it, but so much fucked up stuff happens in it. There's some pretty fucked up stuff that happens in it. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really show anything. I mean, not that I think it needed to, you know, like it, it, it crosses some lines, but not in the same way like Serbian film crossed line. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was apparently based on true facts. That's the fucked up part of that one. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's not nice people out there. So you can do a lot of stuff that is historically accurate or even modern stuff that is real to life. and you don't have to go into a lot of blood and guts and gore to, to really creep a person out. Yeah. Um, so has, have any of these current films, uh, introduced any fears that you didn't have before? Yeah, no, no new fears. I, I, I think my, you know, a, a fear of, you know, how fucked up people can be, you know, <laughs> but that's kind of like everyday life. I think yeah. watching the news kind of scares me sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Does it cause you to change change your behavior? Ah, uh, hmm. That's a good one. In adult That's years. a really good question. I don't. I don't know. I'd never tried to self analyze like that. But I, I went. I mean, you know. I mean, when you're out and about, you try and be cautious. You know, especially right now. Like this is maybe a good example, and maybe we're all kind of doing this. Um, you know, during the stay at home quarantine, occasionally you need like ah shit, I need dog food. Mm-hmm. And so you got a brave going into the store and you're looking around at everybody like, you know, potentially everyone's sick and you don't want them to get you sick. But everyone's kind of thinking the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're leery of people now. And yeah, that, I, I think that's kind of like a cause and effect, you know, how everybody's kind of acting. But we're all kind of acting the same way because you don't you don't know who's sick. It's like, you know, how how can you tell? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of those things where like, if you were to hear this interview 10 years from now, you wouldn't really feel the context, the way that we are feeling it, recording it today. Cause we're living. Yeah. Here. But, um, yeah, it's a very apropos, uh, thing for the moment. Um, have you pr- continued participating in Halloween as an adult? Oh yeah. Uh, for the last, um, 17 years, I, I started working with a company, um, doing haunts 
for theme parks. So like I've traveled to like all the different theme parks. Like, yeah, you, know, uh, you know, we started off doing um, Bush Gardens, Tampa. Um, and I worked with uh, Hala Scream for a good many years. I and mean, then we'd also like go off and do other haunts um, for other parks like uh, SeaWorld. God, what are some others? Hershey Park, Pennsylvania. Tons. And, and so that I, yeah, I, I do the haunt thing like all over the country, you know, setting up stuff, doing mainly I did scenic design on the inside. Um, props. Are, mm-hmm. Did you originate in the Tampa Bay area and move somewhere else? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, born and raised uh, well, in Clearwater safety Harbor area, but like, yeah, after I moved out, I moved to Tampa. So I was in Tampa up until okay. I moved. Chris and, I, Chris and I have talked about a number of different people that he knew in the horror business. And I knew that he had mentioned somebody who started out here and then moved away. And I, I just couldn't remember off the top of my head if that was you or not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That that, that's me. <laughs> um, moved out to LA. Famous now. Wait, are you in LA now? I thought you were in. Um, I'm in Illinois now, but uh, I spent the last like three years in LA. And not, not that like I spent all the time in LA cause I usually work on the road anyway, but, uh, yeah, we had moved out to LA, but it was like, it's way too expensive and it's way too, the way people act out there is exactly what you, uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you'd like to think there's some like, uh, over, uh, uh, exaggeration there, but no, it's exactly what you hear. Yeah. And, and it's just, it, it's not for me. I was like, I can, I, I can do what I do anywhere. And so like now, yeah. Uh, this past year got married. Uh, my wife and I got like an awesome little house in the middle of nowhere, tiny town. So it's, it's quiet out here and I love it. Nice. Congratulations, by the way. Oh, thank you <laughs> to both of you. <laughs> I, I used um, to work with the uh, Jenna tortures. I did a bunch of their stage props, uh, years yep. ago, like in the nineties. And the impotent sneeze, sneeze, uh, sneeze. Oh, impotent yeah. snakes, Berta, all of them. <laughs> yeah. yes. ISS. <laughs> yep um so as an adult now uh i'm guessing you have a number of people that you share your horror interest with as an adult um obviously as you know a business partnership um what about as a social uh partnership like do you have a community of friends or family that uh well you mentioned your family you still watch uh well what was the movie you mentioned oh neither neither the comet <laughs> also hell night right Hell Knight, that's what it was. Hell Knight, well, yeah. And, and Night of the Comet, too. Um, do you have a like a social group that you're part of? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, like, yeah, I work with Unearth Films, and, uh, yeah, I was doing all the effects on, like, the American guinea pig films. Um, Steven and I were, like, partners. Uh, we had moved out to L.A. together, um, and then I just had to leave L.A., yeah. And through that, like we've got a group and, you know, there's a whole huge sprawling like fan base and, you know, a lot of people are, you know, I, in, in different horror groups, there's a lot of like overlay or overlapping. Overlap. Yeah. So yeah. The, uh, another really great group is beneath the underground uh, is a great group of people, but yeah, lots of friends. And, and because of like extreme horror, very particularly uh, there's, yeah, just a great, kind of crew of people who are all like, you know, really down to earth. And and you'd think like, you know, for a bunch of us who like watch and work on, you know, the most kind of fucked up movies that are out there in the underground, like you'd think everyone would be like a bunch of weirdos and sickos, but everyone's pretty fucking normal. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say, and you're right. <laughs> no, uh, no, fairly normal, but maybe uh fucked up sense of humor. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. yeah. All of us kind of have like gallows humor, yeah. <laughs> <Or blue> humor, <laughs> which is perfectly fine as long as you don't actually do those things. You just find them funny, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chris and I are friends on Facebook, and I'll send him stuff all the time. And once in a blue moon, I'll find something that I'm just like, I have to share this privately. <laughs> I'm not even going to post that publicly. <laughs> just, just stuff that makes you go, oh wow. Yeah. Oh no, that, I totally have a warped sense of humor. You know, I, I I don't know. I think that keeps keeps people sane. I don't know. Not to be offended by everything. Everyone's so offended by things. Like if something can shock me, I'm like I'm like wow, that shocked me. <laughs> you know. Yeah. 
you know, Chris and I talked about whether or not we should put a, the trigger warning at the beginning of the program. Um, and I, I thought it was a good thing to do because, you know, there are a lot of people, but, but I also didn't want to censor the program because from at least my experience, I, I feel like one of the biggest problems, I don't know if it's, I don't know if I want to say of modern times, although it is definitely prevalent in modern times as well, but I think even historically, um, you know, there are people who go through life who don't know how to process their own emotions and then they don't, because they don't understand boundaries, they then want to cross a boundary and tell someone else that they need to change how they're living. But really the solution is just that, no, you need to learn how to handle your own emotions and process your own feelings about things. Don't don't go around changing the world just because you don't know how to handle the world not being the way you like it. Now, granted, there are definitely things that are wrong with the world that do need to be changed. Um, so there, there are, there's a, there's a time and a place to do that. Um, but learning to differentiate between ones that you can handle yourselves and one that where you should change the world, you know, not everybody has that, uh, has that insight, I guess you could say. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have any any really scary dreams as an adult now, or is there anything that terrifies you as an adult? No, that's another weird thing. Is like I, I don't get nightmares, and that's weird. I kind of feel left out. Like I hear you know, people's <laughs> dream stories, and I'm like, oh, that's some crazy shit. Like you know, people can dream in like you know this very linear fashion, and uh, like an entire story unfolds. But my dreams aren't like that. Like when I can remember them. But yeah, definitely, I don't get nightmares. Um, I, th- I think the closest thing to a nightmare I ever had was uh, like when I was in high school. This this uh, uh, girl had given you know in my dream, this girl had given me like a black and white Rubik's cube. Hmm. And, like the more I twisted it, the more it complicated it became, and and then it started growing and became like the size of a room. <laughs> and I, and maybe that was like a stress dream more than a nightmare, but like I'd wake up and be like, holy shit. And I'd go back to sleep and then I would be back in the dream again. And it, it would just restart until I finally like, oh, fuck it. I can't go back to sleep. Otherwise, I'm going to keep having this dream. Hmm. That's probably the closest to a nightmare I've ever had. You know, but in my dreams, if I, if, uh, I do encounter like zombies or, you know, monsters, which is very rare did I ever have anything like that? It's always like, I'm like, Oh, okay. I got to, you know, glue down this seam on the edge of his man. So maybe in my brain, my brain just kind of diffuses any kind of, you know, nightmare scenario. Yeah. It's like the mother, you know, coming up on a zombie and, Oh, here, you know, let me lick my finger and clean off your cheek. (laughs) (laughs) The zombie's just like, Hmm. So I would definitely say that, you know, and you're maybe the first person that we have at each of these sections, a question of has horror made you feel happy in this phase of your life? And for you, it's been a positive thing in all three sections of your life, uh, childhood, adulthood, and uh, teenage years. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> now looking back over your entire life, um, mm-hmm what movie would you say? And it doesn't have to be horror, but could be if you want to answer it that way. Um, what movie have you watched more times than any other? And I'm not asking for the favorite movie, just which one have you watched more times than any other? Uh, probably a movie called, uh, the forbidden zone. It's, um, made by, uh, Richard Elfman and Danny Elfman. Who scores a lot of Tim Burton films like, uh, and their band Oingo Boingo or the mystic Knights of the, it's, it's this, batshit insane black and white musical it's like probably like one of my most favorite things ever (laughs) or frankenhooker (laughs) (laughs) um well you've already mentioned uh frankenhooker so what was it what is it that you liked about the forbidden zone oh it's just all around wacky insane all the sets are built with cardboard i mean it's a musical so it's you know catchy tunes and of course it's you know songs written by Danny Elfman and the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. So it's like, you know, really catchy. <laughs> and it's got the little person from uh, fantasy Island. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, her God. Also <laughs> is, uh, <King> Fausto. 
Um, <laughs> and then probably like recently, like I didn't think any film could kind of like, you know, those were, it was always a, you know, I could never decide which was my number one favorite film, like Frankenhooker or Forbidden Zone. And then now I've, uh, <laughs> Greasy Strangler is probably up there on my like fucking absolute best films ever. <laughs> what do you like about that one? It's, it's, it's retarded funny. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's such a bizarre sense of humor and like, I fucking love it. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think I can see the answer to this question, but I'll ask it anyway. Uh, do you see any common threads about what kinds of horror that you like? For example, cannibalism, occult, metaphysical. Uh, yeah, I just like really ridiculous stuff. Like in, in the, you know, as far as like what my favorite things are and, and it kind of, you know, transcends horror. It goes into like other things. Like I, I think if, if someone can get like a sense of humor, like Tim and Eric awesome show, like that's probably the closest to like, okay, we'll probably get along if you can like watch a show like Tim and Eric or too many cooks, <laughs> like we'll probably get along if you can understand like that kind of humor. Yeah. Why does that ring a bell? Oh, too, too many, many cooks? cooks? Oh, that, it's too many cooks. 11 minutes of your life you'll never get back, but it's the most amazing thing. <laughs> what, what was it that they did? Uh, Adult Swim put it on, and, you know, with no announcement, there was never like, oh, hey, you know, stay tuned at this time for too many cooks or something. It was just something that, you know, started with no warning and, like, didn't end for, like, 11 minutes, and everyone who saw it, like, you oh. know, was just Okay. Fuck am I watching? It's like the most I, disturbing take on the uh, Full House opening credits you can possibly think of. Yeah, I I, go- I googled it while we were talking about it, and now I, I've seen this. I remember this. Yes, it's too many cooks. Yeah, too many cooks. Yeah, many I, cooks. I won't I won't say anything for any any listeners who want to go watch that. Uh, I don't want to give spoilers, but yeah. but please do. It's it'll yeah. change your life. Yes, <laughs> you'll you'll enjoy it. Um, <sighs> I, there was, I thought you were going to, I, when I heard the name again, I was, I knew that it seemed familiar, but now I can't think of the, the thing that I was thinking of what it was called. And it may have also been an adult swim thing, but it, it was almost like uh puppets or Chris, help me out here. I know I've shown it to you, but it's like very surreal. Um, oh, is it uh Xavier renegade angel? No. Um, it starts off like a child, a children's show, but then goes really off the rails. Um, uh, is it "Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared"? Yes, it is. Yes, yes, that. <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those guys are great. That's yeah. warped, weird stuff. Yes, that stuff. I saw that. I was just like, "Whoa!" Because <laughs> I think when I first saw it, nobody introduced that to me. That just popped up in like my. Uh, <laughs> you just like randomly stumbled upon. Don't hug me. I'm scared. That's that yes. is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Internet. Uh, another, another good one that I think was like, uh, you know, uh, it's played on adult swim. It was called, um, this house has people in it. Yes. I've seen that. Yes. And unedited footage of a bear. <laughs> like both. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's made by the same people. Yeah. Okay. I shared that with Chris. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think I've seen this house has people in it, but yeah, unedited footage of where. Oh yeah, you you'd appreciate. Yeah, this house has people in it. Yeah, I shared that one with you. It's uh, maybe you didn't didn't get a chance to watch it, but I definitely shared that with you. I saw it and I was like, oh, you got to check this out. <laughs> um, yeah, you said what I thought you were going to say. I I figured that humor was the the common thread. Um, mm-hmm. Now that we've kind of had this whole discussion, the one question that's left is why horror because there could be any other number of things that trigger the kinds of emotions that you've been uh enjoying like for example if you like the um uh the special effects well you could have gotten into sci-fi you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so what is it about horror specifically that you like is it the red stuff hmm. <laughs> it's the red stuff isn't it yeah well this is a tough question huh yeah, because I guess, yeah, I mean, effects, I could go any direction with it. You know, I do fantasy or, you know, like Game of Thrones or, you know, I don't know, that sort of stuff. But I don't know. I, I just kind of gravitated towards like the blood and guts, which I feel 
like as an effects artist, this is really weird, but I, I really feel blood and guts is on like the low end of the totem pole. <laughs> like <laughs> compared to what brow in the effects world. Like I mean, you know, there's some amazing, you know, makeup artists out there and sculptors and stuff, but like, you know, that's that's like the upper echelon, the top tier. And they kind of all look down at like, oh, you're a blood and guts guy. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I yeah I, I have fun doing it. Like, you know, I'm really well with life casting you know it's just you know years of practice and uh you know just making body parts and and you know i kind of got good at that so that's all people kind of hire me for it's it's rare i get to do creatures or monsters or anything you know but i don't know the blood and body parts are fun (laughs) yeah uh, I mean, to me, the thing that really jumped out at me for that to answer that question is because, I mean, that's where you came from. Your parents enjoyed horror, you know, so there's probably some sort of emotional connection there. You know, if your parents liked sci-fi, then maybe you would have gone into sci-fi, you know? Yeah. So there was one thing that we kind of touched on that we haven't really talked about a lot. I kind of got the I, the sense that there was some amount of pride uh, that you got out of basically building stuff. Um, you know, there's the creative aspect of having a finished product, uh, not, o- not only in terms of, you know, a feature length movie, but even the the small things in inside it that cre- uh, not create, um, contribute to what's that? None. No. Uh, contribute to the, you know, the final product and, you know, having some pride in saying I built this. So I think for me, the, the things that if I were to sum up this interview, it sounded like to me, the things that the summary is a, you like the building stuff, the creation aspect of it. And B that you have some positive experiences that tie you back to, you know, your family and friends that there's the social element. Um, yeah. does that sound about accurate to you or is there something oh, that you think pretty accurate? Yeah. I mean, just, you know, as any kind of, you know, artist or creative person, like, you know, to, to be able to create things, you know, I don't know. It's, it's totally different. I mean, don't get me wrong. It can become like work, but I think, you know, in, in, in most of the time, nine times out of 10, it's like, you know, just fun and exhilarating to get to create, to do stuff. Uh, like it doesn't feel like a job when you're making a movie. Well, and another thing you said earlier in the call that um, I didn't put to words, but solving a puzzle. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Cause I, and it, it, a lot of it, you know, especially when it, it's something that creates like a challenge, like I'm I really more into like uh, an effect that like I've never done before. Like uh, American Guinea pig films, like really, really put me in challenging kind of mentally sort of way because you know it's just not the same old thing like oh here's a severed head or here's a severed arm like after a while that kind of feels paint by numbers and kind of loses its appeal but like when i get like you know some effects work where it's like okay i really got to wrap wrap my head around how i'm going to achieve this and how we're going to shoot it you know so i I like to be presented and it is it's it is kind of like a puzzle Mm. you know to figure out how how you're going to pull something off you know this is actually kind of a perfect segue into you mentioned, you know, whatever you wanted to pitch would be at the end of the call. But, you know, if this is the case that, uh, you know, you're interested in solving puzzles and you you feel like you have already solved some of the puzzles in the blood and gore aspect, well, then what puzzles are you working on now? You know, what kind of oh. things? <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. recently my wife and I did a uh, documentary. Um, kind of breaking down red films or, you know, the most extreme films in the underground, mm-hmm. um, the most fucked up stuff out there because number one, to our knowledge, no one has ever really covered these types of films, like stuff like August underground, the vomit Gore trilogy scrapbook. Uh, I mean, there's a list goes on like filmmakers like Marion Dora, Lucifer Valentine, um, Fred Vogel, like, you know, there's there's all kinds of documentaries out there on like Freddy and Jason and horror and horror and horror and horror ad nauseum, uh, but no one's really covered the dark side of underground cinema. So like yeah, that was just mm-hmm. something we wanted to 
kind of take a look into like what makes you know these filmmakers tick what makes the fans like gravitate towards these types of films mm-hmm. you know because you know obviously at first glance you think like oh someone has to be really like sick and fucked up to make something like that <laughs> or has to be sick and fucked up to, to enjoy, enjoy. Like yeah. and so yeah <laughs> and, and it's it's surprisingly like everyone's like pretty normal Super and nice stable people well put together who make this and watch this it sounds yeah. like it sounds like that is a very um you know it has a lot in common with this podcast you know the conversation that chris and i had was um you know i'll start it off with just the name of the website i i was driving uh to fort lauderdale and thinking to myself about trying not how could i come up with a way that would help chris um with what he's working on as far as his feature film goes. And one of the conversations that he and I had had uh, was on coming up, a, coming up with a website name and how what some of the people in the film industry are starting to do is come up with website addresses uh, or website names that are kind of ch- tangentially related to the film, but not, I'm trying to think of a, a good example. Like if, if the house in your, in your horror film is the address is one, two, three Maple street, then maybe your website would be one, two, three Maple street. Like it's, it's related, but it's not something that you would necessarily think that somebody would come and pick that, that name before you got to it. And as I'm sitting there thinking the name, the words horror makes us happy popped into my head. And then I thought, wow, that'd be a great website name. And mm-hmm. so I started talking to Chris and we thought, you know, well, what, what could we do with this? Um, because it's not necessarily um, relevant for the pieces uh, compendium that he's working on. It's not really a happy story. Um, it can make you happy. There's violence in it. Well, you know, depends on who it's happy for. Sadists. <laughs> um, yes. Um, but the idea was, you know, well, what else could we do with that? And then the idea of a podcast of, you know, digging into what it is about people, what it is, what is it that people enjoy about horror because as you say, you know, there's not a lot of material out there. I mean, if you go to school to be a psychotherapist, you know, maybe you learn some stuff that's relevant, but in terms of what material is out there available to the normal person, there really isn't a lot. Um, I mean, I no, as, as you said, there are still, you know, various documentaries on, on things like mainstream horror, but, but no, I guess no, no one's really touched on the psychological aspect of it, of like, why do people enjoy these things? Uh, aside from, you know, the occasional, I don't know, six minute blurb interview of somebody who happens to be a psychologist in a documentary that's just a, of several other horror films and things like right. that. Right. Mm-hmm. So that right. was sort of the idea of why do we want, why we want to do what it is that we're doing. So that kind of ties in with what you're doing there with Beyond Horror, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, thank you for joining us. Was there anything else that you wanted to uh, discuss or pitch uh, beyond other than beyond horror? Uh, no, I mean, that's, yeah, I guess our, our newest endeavor, um, Jesse Seitz mm-hmm. and myself, Beyond Horror, the history subculture of red films. Probably it'll be out for release uh, June or sometime after June. Like right now, we've currently been playing film festivals, but... Uh, because of you know the coronavirus thing, uh, the next few months of screenings that we had all set up all kind of yeah. fell apart and went to the wayside. While you know everyone's life across the board has kind of had to been put on hold. So yeah. no, no film festivals at the current moment now. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's been kind of a bummer for us. But like you know, I mean, right, right now our plan is to still have like aim for a June release of uh, our DVD, and then you know, to our Indiegogo supporters. And then, you know, after that do like the full kind of wide release to everyone else. And we, and I'll, I'll link you the trailer too. Sure. Sure. Um, and we've also got a, a group a page on Facebook. We can send you an invite on that. And we'll, when, when the time comes, we'll, you know, reach out and say, Hey, we're ready to release this particular episode and we can go through all that stuff. Oh, right. So, Cool. (laughs) So uh, again, thank you for joining us Um, for the listeners. Thank anybody out there listening. Uh, Please come visit us at horrormakesushappy.com. We'll have a schedule posted there to show who we're interviewing next, next, as well as a list of who we'd like to interview. 
Um, if you can help us connect with any of those people, or if you'd like to see someone added to the list that we don't have, let us know. Um, you can also become a Patreon supporter. There are links to our social media on the website. In general, just let us know how we're doing. Or makes us happy.com. 